This podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of Does Father Know Best? It is me, John Wangland, Johnny Podcasting here. And as always, I am joined by my co-host with the most. He is the man, he's the myth, and he's definitely a legend. The one, the only, the Scandinavian heartthrob himself, Mr. Stanley Wangland. What is going on, Pop? Hey, man, I like that, the Scandinavian heartthrob. And you know, the great thing is, it's, that's not even like hype. That's true. No, that's the truth. 100%. It is the truth, man. It is the truth. man. He's broken more hearts than hey, come on. <laughs> than we could even we'd have we we'd, we'd have to do a whole pod series on the uh, on all the hearts that he's broken throughout time, folks. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll tell you, it's something I'm very proud of. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> well. Hey, you know, disenchanted youth a little bit. You know, you had you had some fun growing up. You had some fun in your army days. You know, it's okay to be a heartthrob. You know. Uh, I, I don't know about that, man, you know, but if I could do it all over again, I would twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely well, not Jimmy. I'm definitely not Jimmy Swaggart, that um, the preacher. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> no. When he was up there and they caught him. That's my standard joke. It's the truth. And, and he's, that old Beelzebub got me. The old devil got me. I'll never do that again. No, no, no. I've always said it. No, you got me. You got me dead to rights, but uh, you better put me, lock me up and throw the key away. Because <laughs> if you let me out, I'm doing it again. <laughs> yeah, maybe twice. Yeah, maybe <laughs> three trucks. times or more than that there. Well, if anybody hears any background today a little bit, we're having some pretty awful storms right now. So we're, we're braving through it. So if you hear some big, loud booms or some pops or anything like that, it's uh, it's due to we're having a pretty bad thunder and lightning storm right now out where we live here in New York. So just wanted to throw that out there to everybody. It's not the audio. It's not us. It's uh, unfortunately, it's the weather getting us so far. We're making it through it. And then right when we started, we heard a big kaboom there for a second. So we uh, we're hoping to brave through that. Right. Yeah, but it could be something else. Uh, this morning on my Just Thinking show, I did my uh, show for tomorrow, which is called, uh, you know, uh, Americans are not ready to be dominated. See, I always get a plug in for the show. You always do. <laughs> but I know that's a skill. It's a segue. But here's the deal. I said in there, man, like, I'm serious. And you're a, you're a veteran. I'm a veteran. Grandpa is a veteran. Your son's going to the military on August 4th. Uh, uh, you know, uh, my nephews, your cousins are all veterans. Hey, man, if I get the military coming down here, the American military, like, putting me under martial law or any kind of bullshit like that, not happening, baby. I'm part of the resistance. I'm part of the, you know, I'm wearing a beret like the French resistance in World War II till that's over. And then these are my guys again. And I said, I'm putting that on the air. And by the way, in case you folks don't realize this, watching all these shows, all these podcasts, your telephones and everything, not conspiracy theory. There's big mega algorithms that key in on words and everything else. I'm sure somebody in the little show that we are said, whoa, this guy's, he's talking about insurrection. <laughs> Something. It could be the bulls coming through the door, man, going to tase me. So if you hear a big boom, it could be the, it could be the lightning. Or it could be my big goddamn mouth got me into trouble and Trump has sent his minions to come and get old poor Stan Wang on the Scandinavian heartthrob. You can never tell anymore. 
Hey, which you leads, man. you know, you can't. Which leads us into tonight. Uh, I hope you didn't mind uh, my uh, lovely son John and I trying to have a little bit of down home humor with you, because uh, things are, you know, man, things have been very grim. And uh, if you listen to our first show in this series about protests of the '60s and '70s, I mentioned that last time. We kind of called this one on the button, man. I yeah. hate to say it, and uh, it it just kind of everybody. You don't have to be a genius to figure out that this guy is gonna was gonna do something, and some events were gonna. And boy, this tipping point uh, that's flashed off here it is uh, it ain't going away. No. But we picked a couple of very interesting topics tonight, and um, you know they spin off on this idea of number one being silent of just looking the other way for money or for convenience or, you know, you just don't want to get involved. And I was glad to see President Bush and President Obama finally stand up and start taking this guy on. And the Knicks uh, are the only team in basketball that uh, in the NBA that have not taken a stand on this. And I, I, we'd like to talk about that tonight. And the other thing before that is that uh, when you're thinking this stuff may be a bunch of bunk, with protesters and all that it is is a bunch of people looking to loot and pillage and uh, do that kind of stuff. You got to start looking again at the facts and it's not just all of the African-Americans and people of color or people of low socioeconomic status or position in our country who are being treated like shit and have had enough. Uh, and they're they've taken to the streets, just like in one of those uh, movies that you see when they're, you know, the villages are marching on the castle, man. This is this is what it is. It's what you're seeing. Uh, it, it's it's not just that kind of stuff. We have a lot of institutional racism and unfairness in this com- uh, country that is stunning. Whether it's the rates of people who are poor and black or people of color and getting the coronavirus and having unusually high rates or things uh, like what we wanted to talk about uh, today, about things like uh, institutionalized uh, racism and things like that have to do with jails and incarcerations and uh, things like that, that that people have no friggin idea uh, is what's going on. And. John, I don't know if you if you want to do the the Knicks first or the you know uh, the the stuff on the stuff with um, African African American and people of color, you know, where jail becomes normal and shit like that. What, what do you, what do you prefer? I think we should start off with the Knicks. We kind of segued into it, and I think it'll lead into some good points on some of the stuff. Absolutely. So, so what was going on with the Knicks? You sent me the article from the New York Times, which was an, it was a really interesting and uh, really intriguing article there from there. And yeah. you always send me good articles from the New York Times, you know, that they have. I actually just subscribed to them because of you. Um, well, I'm glad I'm glad that you did. And I just got to I just got to cut back to it here for a second and uh, catch up with it. And here's what basically happened. Uh, there was a decision by the, uh, the, the New York Knicks, uh, you know, that they are the exception in the league where both the players and coaches have, you know, uh, have called for like a change on social media uh, and joining protests. Uh, you know, the leadership, I guess it, it put very simply, the leadership from every NBA team in some way, in some shape or some form has weighed in on the death of George Floyd. 
And, you know, in case you don't know, you know, in case you've been under a rock, but that's possible with people. Mr. Floyd was a 46 year old black man who died in police custody in Minneapolis on May 25th. He was the guy that, uh, you know, the, the four policemen or six policemen that were there, you know, the one guy had his knee on his, his back. They had him in handcuffs, so on and so forth. And. He died of either a heart attack or being asphyxiated. There's conflicting reports, but they, they killed him. Oh, and yeah. That the officer is, I mean, right in front of your eyes because uh, he was in their care and he wasn't resisting or any such thing. Hey, everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called, Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. And it's all on video for everybody there. And uh, the some of the officers are going to be, more of them are going to be charged uh, in the near future. And the guy who had his knee on him uh, and killed him and set off uh, this tremendous uh, wave of thing. He, he was seemed to be the flashpoint. They had the runner, Aubrey, whoever was running in Georgia, just jogging in his neighborhood and got shot by some white men for, you know, no friggin' reason at all. And then you had the uh, bird watcher in Central Park, uh, you know, uh, a white woman just fabricate a call on where the guy has on tape uh, and calls up. This is a black man trying to kill me. You know, this guy could have been killed. Did you see the FBI agent one? Yeah. And yeah. Well, tell us about the FBI agent and I'll, then I'll finish the story about the next. Yeah. The FBI agent one's great. It's an African-American gentleman out there and he gets stopped by these two cops and they're trying to kind of manhandle him a little bit there for no reason, saying he's a suspect and he's uh, the person of that they've been looking for. And he's sitting over there and trying to tell him to stop. And they're yanking on him. They're grabbing him. He's a big guy, too, mind you. Oh, yeah. He, he's a big dude, man. I think he could have handled those two, those two marshmallow uh, cream puff looking guys, man, because they were some soft looking uh, cops there for those two. He could have handled them, I think, by himself. And they're trying to manhandle him around and rough him up a little bit and kind of get the cuffs on him and tell him, you know, he needs to do this and that. And he's telling them the law, man. He's like, I'm not resisting you. I'm not doing anything. You're grabbing on me. I'm not a person of interest. I'm out here doing this. And they're being just completely disrespectful to him. And then they said, give us your ID. And he's cuffed at this point. He goes, you're going to look it." And excuse my language. I'm going to say, he goes, you're going to fucking like this one when you open it. And he opened it up and he's an FBI agent. Yeah. And he said, get your fucking supervisor over here right now. And then the supervisor comes over and he's like, give me your cards. And they're trying to argue with him. And he handled them with just precision. It was it was. It was just a classic example of people when you're doing the wrong thing and you're trying to take the law for your own way and just mm-hmm. doing it wrong. He put them right in their place. I thought it was one of the best things I've seen. Mm-hmm. It, was, Loved it. It, it certainly was. And for folks, uh, you know, seeing why we picked this and this idea about silence on things, 
uh, with the Knicks. Just to, if you don't mind, just to add one or two other things, the, two of the stunning things that have happened, and they're all on videotape. I, you saw it live like I did, was the peaceful protesters in front of the White House when the president wanted to walk across for that photo op. And uh, they, they, people weren't doing anything. You're allowed in America. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that George Bush, our president, encouraged the protesters today. But that we're allowed under the Constitution, under the Bill of Rights, to Bill of Rights, to have freedom of speech. Uh, we're allowed to protest peacefully. Uh, we're allowed to uh, say unpleasant things about the government or other people. That is all right. We, we, our country was formed in the Revolutionary War. The founding fathers were very clear about that. When the president went across the street, he had military people involved. He was flashbanging these people, tear gassing these people, had riot police, uh, mounted horse people and everything else like that. It was like right out of the, you know, the movie Dr. Zhivago, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know it about the Russian Revolution. You know, when the czar sent the, the Cossacks on horses to clear the, you know, St. Petersburg. You don't do shit like that in America. But anyway... Uh, would, would would people feel it would you say it was safe to say that the NBA has a predominantly uh, a, a, players are predominantly people of color? Would we say that that they're yeah. black and, and people of color? Is that yeah. a fair statement? Very fair statement. Yeah, is it a very fair statement that the owners and the organizations make a shit ton of money off of black athletes and athletes of color as well as other athletes? Would, you know, would would we say that's that's a fair thing? Absolutely. Would we say that the fans, uh, you know, for Knicks games and everything uh, are a diverse uh, fan base that uh, while, uh, you know, uh, the average uh, white person or black person can't afford tickets to a Knicks game, that they are, that the games are attended by a lot of African-Americans? Absolutely. That they buy a lot of sports paraphernalia and clothing and Nick things and, and, and like anybody else, that they're big supporters of the Knicks and all the NBA things? Most certainly. Yeah. They're a big part of the thing. Well, the franchise owner, James Dolan, he made it clear on Monday. He said, hey, man, uh, companies are in the business of sports and entertainment, and we're not any more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. And that's what he told his employees, because all the other teams have weighed in on this and said, hey, they're supporting the Black Lives Matters, they're supporting the protesters, and they're supporting uh, the fact that there shouldn't be these abuses directed towards people of color uh, as they were to George Floyd. And uh, some teams, the, you know, the, the, the franchise owners and the players are, you know, participating and protesting and whatever. But again, James Dolan made it clear that no such statement was coming. And what did he say? He said, we at Madison Square Garden stand by our values of a respectful and peaceful workplace. We always will. And he wrote that in an email to his employees. And that was, uh, you know, that was obtained by ESPN. And then he made that statement. He says, as companies in the business of sports and entertainment, we're not any more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. You know, and again, uh, the NBA is a rare sports league that has outwardly encouraged players for years to be certain, to be socially conscious on certain issues. And police brutality is one of them. 
you know, and one of the Knicks' own players, point guard Dennis uh, Smith Jr., participated in the pro uh, the protests in Fayetteville, North Carolina, over the weekend. You know, all that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, Knicks haven't uh, got you know gotten into that uh, by any of that stuff. What do you think about that, John? And why do you think he's doing this? Do you have any idea? I think he's I, I think he's doing it because I think the Knicks is such a is such a fractured franchise in general. Mm -hmm. um, the Dolan family, man, just does not have a good reputation within the New York community for their efforts with the sports teams. And they're mm -hmm. not very well liked in general. Um, mm -hmm. So I got to throw that out there right now. The Dolan family uh, definitely is not very well liked. I, I think it's a cop out by them. And when you're the only franchise that isn't sitting over there and endorsing the positivity that people are trying to bring from this, I think it's a very telling sign of what you think of people and what you think of your fan base. And it's a dismissive approach to not trying to identify the matter at hand. And it's not being supportive to the players that make you an ass ton of money. Mm -hmm. Because how many of his players are African-American? Yeah, probably 90%. Yeah. And how many of his staff are that? I would guarantee you that out of the staff of the Knicks, whether it's in the front office, whether it is in the uh, players for them, that it's probably over 60% of his staff is African-American mm -hmm. or of a minority of some sorts. Uh, maybe, probably even more. I'm just giving a generous number here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a real cop-out on his part to not sit over there and engage in those things. Mm -hmm. You're not being irresponsible by saying, by pledging support for people that are trying to make systemic change. I think mm -hmm. you're being irresponsible by not taking the platform and you're not supporting your people. And you're saying you support a peaceful, uh, you know, work site, but sometimes silence doesn't create peace, right? Yeah. And that's the point of the show today. And that's the point of many articles that are out there and op-ed pieces. It's like, uh, I have to be very honest with you. Uh, I've said all along when I look at uh, the the absolute abysmal leadership of President Trump and his band of lackeys. Uh, and I will just say that there's no there's no, uh, you know, if that alienates people. I'm, um, I'd like to say I'm sorry, but I'm really not. I just have to say what I see realistically. It's not about politics. It's about fundamental behavior that you have a president that is unrecognizable. And the sad point is, is that he would be powerless if men of good faith and women of good faith. And when I'm saying good faith, I mean, good faith is uh, if they have spiritual faith, good faith is uh, patriots, good faith is responsible citizens of our country would say, no, I will not tolerate behavior like this from an elected official. You can't act that way. Or if I'm in your, uh, if I'm um, working for you in some capacity in civil service or so, some other thing, no, I will not commit illegal acts. I will not do, you know, that these go beyond the pale. So you have acts of commission, things that you do, and then you have acts of omission. Like when you're an accessory to something because you don't stop something that goes on. You become an accessory because you should at least say no, right? I agree. Yeah, and this is what this is what happens. I think this is done specifically for money. I think and there's also a segment of New York, uh people think New York state and New York City is very very liberal that everybody gets along and you know, uh you know, everybody supports African Americans and people of color and people Hey, nothing could be further from the truth. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. The same as living in upstate New York, where I live. And we live in, a, and where John lives, we live in a university town. We live in, next to the biggest state university, you know, in the state. The best one. And, you know, man alive. Would you think that you think there's some racism here, John? Yeah, I was sitting there last night. They were having that protest. And while I thought that protest last night down in uh, Binghamton, where we live, was completely ludicrous, uh, you know, with those kids out there, I thought it was just a sloppy, goofy fest. I didn't mm-hmm. like them cussing at the cops and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was a very disorganized thing. But still, at that, there was no violence to it or anything like that. But I'm sitting there watching the feed on from the news. And then I've never seen such outward racism Yes, stereotypical people and comments than I saw on that feed, man. I thought it was like a feed for the Ku Klux Klan rally, man. Yeah, it, it was it was scary. So it, it it you would think, you know, people have that perception that in the areas that we live in, that you would have this very liberal mindset, which is to me the complete opposite. Yeah, um, it is. It is. the complete. It, it's a very, very 50 50 mix around this area. Yeah, this is this is actually surprisingly a very heavy Republican area, and a very, very and a very very conservative area. And, yeah, we had a Republican uh, you know, congressman, Republican senators over here. It's the know, home of Lockheed Martin. Uh, yeah, IBM. You know, it's, and it's Republican Central, and it's Red Central over here. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the, and particularly with the uh, you know the military industry, with the uh, you know the helicopters and the space shuttle. And all the warplanes and stuff like that, you know, they're very, very much uh, tied into things. Now, you know, one of the things that's getting back to the uh, the Dalton thing, uh, you know, Dolan thing, which makes it important. The commissioner of uh, the NBA, I believe, is Adam Silver. And he wrote a letter to league employees on the matter. And he said, I'm heartened by the many members of the NBA and the WNBA family, players, coaches, legends, blah, blah, blah. And people at all levels speaking out to demand justice, urging peaceful protest and working for meaningful change. Are you interested in spirituality and the paranormal? Do you enjoy having conversations about social issues and current events with a balanced and spiritual perspective? Are you intrigued by ancient prophecies and mysteries of the past or just unraveling modern day conspiracy theories? If so, I would like to invite you to come on a journey with me on my show, The Spirit Side. Available on all the major podcast platforms. I'm Paul James Caden, and I hope to see you there. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at... Is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Right? Now, of course, th- this guy's being very smart. He's being very political. But that's a good message there, isn't it? That... He's saying that so. you know, our team stands, that this is what we stand for. We're, we're a sports team. We stand for social justice. We also stand for protest under the Constitution and everything else under the law, but peaceful protest, not, you know, breaking out windows and doing things like that, um, you know, burning places down and to work for meaningful change. So he's put a position for the league on the line. 
you know, and other people like uh, I guess uh, one of the, uh, the the Washington Wizards, they issued a statement from their players on uh, on Sunday in capital letters where they said we will no longer tolerate the assassination of people of color in this country. We will no longer accept the abuse of power from law enforcement. We will no longer shut up and dribble. And, uh, you know, then they showed pictures of their players going to demonstrations. Now, you know, I saw a thing today from a friend of mine uh, where uh, she put a post of a, a, a guy who was a washing machine repairman, an electrician and a college graduate and everything else like that in uh, some place in the South, uh, a famous city. And I, I forget. And the guy doesn't go out at night. And you know why he doesn't go out at night? Because when he goes out in his truck, that's clearly marked that he's a, he's been stopped six times this year by the police. And every time he gets stopped by the police, uh, you never know whether they're going to shoot you, beat the shit out of you, whether your tone is right or whatever. And he's shown them that here's my job. Here's the receipt. Here's where I'm coming from. Look, here's the truck that I'm, I'm in. Here's my uniform, you know. And uh, it, it was a touching story. But this stuff isn't fooling around. This is what happens all the time. And uh, when people sit there silently and they just ignore it and say, oh, well, OK, you know, uh, well, I hope we get back to the game soon. Uh, it's the, the problem just keeps perpetuating year after year, so on and so forth. What do you think, John? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of got all, uh, not off the track, but really on the thing there. Do you see any other examples of silence or inappropriate behavior in the NBA or other teams? No, I think they've taken a very good stand for the most part on it. I think the the Dolan family's uh, approach to it is their choice. It's their business. I think it's a poor move in in general as, as, you know, (laughs) as as an influential person. But just even more, I just think it's a poor move, you know, for them as a business and as people. But that's their choice to do it. It's just one of the many head scratching moves. Um, that they've had. I haven't seen it from any of the other organizations. Everybody else is very, very um, supportive of it and very, very much, um, you know, socially conscious for the most part from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen too many examples of sports teams or uh, large entities like that that haven't done that, uh, you know, at least. But I haven't been paying attention to every single one of them or anything. I'll say this, you know, it's been a telling and opening thing for to see people's true colors. And we talked about that a little bit on the last show. And you see people's true colors in times like this. You see the true uh, the true opinions of people like the Dolans. You see true opinions of your friends, your family, others in your life that you work with, just in general, uh, Mm -hmm. when you go through, you know, tough times like this. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I never um, I don't feel I should unfriend anybody because they have a different political belief that I have. But I think that events that are transpiring now, they, they go beyond political beliefs. See, a political belief to me is to say I want a Republican president. I want a Democratic president. I'm for, uh, you know, a strong military or I'm for a less strong military. I want money spent on this. I don't think so much money should be here. You know what I'm trying to say? Those are political issues on issues yep. of basic human rights, of issues where you're saying that supremacy groups or terrorist groups uh, are decent people or you're hanging out with leaders who are thugs. Um, you know, 
you, you, you have to take a stand on things like that. Now, you know, I don't know whether it's conspiracy theory or whatever, but, you know, it is it is not it is a fact that President Trump was speaking to Vladimir Putin the morning before this this clearing of the square in front of the White House. And then he comes out with that. We have to dominate them thing. You know. Oh, but there was nothing wrong with saying that, according to some people, right? Yeah, I mean that's crazy. That's crazy. That you you're not there to, to. That's not the job of the president to dominate anybody. He's there to represent everybody. I mean that's you know that's what you swear when you take the oath. You know you, to uphold the constitution and serve the people and the republic. Uh, you know that that means you don't serve your your base. It means you serve everybody. That was the that was the thing why the everybody has to weigh in on this one way or the other and let people know where they're at. Because, you know, when they had Mr. Floyd handcuffed, uh, what people forget, and you have to listen to attorneys and knowledgeable people with the law, once that guy was cuffed and he wasn't uh, he wasn't fighting anybody and he was on the ground, he becomes the care of the police. They have the responsibility and the onus is on them to protect him. Not to beat the piss out of him. Or to just sit there and put their hand on you. You know what I'm trying to say, John? Once you go in custody, the, the cops are saying, hey, we have custody of you. Our job is to protect and serve. Uh, now we're going to protect you while you're in custody from yourself, protect you from hurting other people. Uh, you know, we're going to serve the law, serve you. Uh, they have to presume you're innocent. That's the law. So uh, when you sit and you see people, um, you know, in positions of authority, people who have great influence like sport teams, and they sit there and they don't say anything and make statements like that, I think what they're doing, and I think that they know what they're doing, is they want to preserve their friendships, I think, with other businessmen, other elements of, uh, of society that doesn't favor uh that doesn't favor what's going on with fairness for black people. I, I don't know whether you, do you see this in wrestling, John, or see it in baseball or you follow all sports. I yeah. Know systems that don't favor people of color. Excuse me, John. I didn't hear that. You said systems that uh, don't favor people of color, right? Yeah. Or have, have the teams in, have all the baseball teams come out? Um, I haven't investigated that. Uh, you might know, or you might not. Uh, have they come out and condemned what's happened to George Floyd and the systematic? Uh... You know, I'm going to be honest. I haven't been watching and paying attention to most stuff on sports, mm -hmm. but really uh, kind of like I've been doing like following mixed martial arts and wrestling because those are my two ones and they're active right now. How um, about how about in wrestling and mixed, mixed martial arts? Did they ever take positions on this? Yeah, I mean, I think they give the canned statements. They give you your basic statements and stuff. But it's a very telling sign when you look at the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment and you mm -hmm. look at the fact is how many African-American heavyweight champions have they ever had? Not many. Uh, yeah, I believe, and I'm going to probably be wrong on this, but the first African-American heavyweight champion for them, I believe, was just about a year or so ago, uh, Kofi Kingston. It's mm -hmm. something they haven't pushed. I'm not saying they haven't pushed people of prominence that are of different color. There, I mean, The Rock has African-American in him. You know, so, yeah, mm -hmm. no, that that's very few. I'll say that. Very mm -hmm. few that they've ever had. And mm -hmm. it had been a great many years since they had had one until Kofi Kingston won it last year. 
who mm-hmm. Kofi's actually an Ithaca native of all things. He lives in Ithaca, mm-hmm. um, close to us, but he won it last year. But if you look at their things, yeah, they have them on the roster, but I'll, I'll say this here. They have a few weeks ago on one of the shows. I don't really watch WWE anymore. Cause I don't really like mm-hmm. the product as much, but I still follow it. Cause I cover it. So they have the, that it's an African-American team. They're called the street profits and they're taking on a white team called the Viking Raiders that are playing mm-hmm. up the Viking heritage. The street profits is kind of like guys they're they're walking around, you know, kind of, all gangstered out and basketball shorts and all the swag. And then the Viking Raiders are dressed like typical Vikings. So they're going to have them have a match. All right. Uh, This is all leads up to what we were just talking about here with companies and just how they do things. So instead of having a match, you know, they're going to wait a few weeks to have the match at the next big card, the big pay-per-view card, whatever you want to call it nowadays. And Mm -hmm. so they, instead of getting them in the ring, they do all these tape segments where they're having sporting competitions where they're taking each other on. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think the first sporting competition that the Street Profits, the African-American team, is taking on the Viking Raiders in? Well, if it's their choice, it's going to be basketball. There you go, buddy. Basketball. A stereotype. Right off the bat, man. And then, of course, what happens? They, the they Vikings kill, will be weightlifting or something. You know, they kill the Vikings, man. The Vikings, they're killing them. You know, they, they, kill them in the, they kill them in the match. And at the end, they figure out the Vikings can really shoot the ball. And they know how to do it. And then the next time they do one, it's a axe toss that the Vikings are doing the axe toss. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're doing these just ridiculous things and you just see it. And it's like, yeah, some people might think I'm being harsh on that. That's stereotypical bullshit, man. And it, that's wrestling. They're playing off. Uh, they're, they're, it is. They're playing off like a war uh, and they're they're making money off the, the social issues that are going on out there on the racism. Yeah, they had one of the wrestlers and the McMahon family is a, is a huge supporters of Donald Trump. Man. Oh, Donald Trump yeah. is in the Hall of Fame, for Christ's sakes, in the World Wrestling Entertainment. So I loved what I saw here the other day here. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to believe in who they want to believe if they like him or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But here we are, the heart of the riots, man, and the things that are going on. And Donald Trump te- fucking tear gassing and pepper spraying all the people and doing all the shit he's doing. Mm-hmm. And this one dope wrestler, his name's Jackson Riker. Mm-hmm. And he ends up tweeting out, God bless America and the great president uh, Trump that we have. God bless the president of the United States of America. Um, and he's in this gimmick. They call them the forgotten sons because they were in the military. And let me tell you, <laughs> the wrestlers ate him for breakfast on social media. Mm-hmm. They ate him for breakfast, man, because you want to pl- you want to pledge your support. OK, but you're going to do it in a time when the guys inciting riots. Mm-hmm. And you saw even big Hollywood superstars like a Dave Batista's become a big star out there, and all them say that sure. shit. You know, and the McMahon family's advocates of him. They supported twenty million dollars out to the different funds and his causes. Wife all, his wife is also a cabinet member. Or, yeah, or she was a cabinet member, member yeah. for four years or for two years yeah. with them. You know, I mean, so I mean, the sports business is corrupted enough by everything. Dana White in the UFC is the biggest Trump supporter. He spoke at his uh, rallies mm-hmm. when he. <sighs> You know, and Dana White is just a disgraceful human being, too. When you listen to him, he doesn't care about any of these guys either. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's these companies, these billionaires, these large scale guys, too. They give you the canned answer to make a long story short, you know. Yeah. But they play into stereotypes. They play into racism. They play into all of that stuff over and over. 
They're going to yeah. give you the bare minimum of what they need to give you. And the Dolans aren't even going to give you that. <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting thing. That's what I was hoping you were you were going to get you did very eloquently on there. And and that's 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 the thing of silence, uh, which the Dolans are, are doing. They're being silent on it. The other thing is to give the minimalistic answer, you know, where somebody says, how do you feel about this George Floyd thing? And, and what you're doing is your real goal is to you want to get back to business. You want to get back to exploiting the players. You want to get back to making the money from the fans. You want to get back to business as usual and, and your God that you worship, which is nothing but greed and money. You know, you want to get back into the game. You know, yeah, I mean, and remember what, you, what we're talking about here, too. It's basketball or football or whatever. There's nobody curing cancer here. So you want to get back into these billions of dollars. And you saw this with the NBA when they didn't have a problem with China, when they had those billion dollar deals. And there was some, you know, the, the, the Chinese doing all the terrible things that they're doing in Hong Kong, where now, you know, this Hong Kong is basically a thing of the past or will be shortly. But uh, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder how the Jerry Jones or, you know, and then the Cowboys and, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the Robert Kraft uh, of the New England Patriots. I wonder what their response has been to this, if anything. And I didn't check it out before the show, but I can bet you a nickel to a $10 bill if there's any condemnation or support for African-Americans, any real support. I, I, I don't think it's, it's just going to be lip service and it's going to be that middle of the road, politically correct kind of an answer. I don't know what you think. I don't think they're going to come out and say this is something that's intolerable for our athletes. No, I don't think they will either, you know, because I think I, th I don't think they want to alienate the other side then because they're looking at it from a multi-sided uh, perspective there because I, I don't know. Some places will. Um, I believe Mark Cuban, who's a very outspoken guy. Yes. And uh, I believe he gave some really really supportive to the cause type thing said out there. I, I, I wish I had it on me, but he's an outspoken cat, man. And he's a very innovative thinker. You either like him or you don't. I he mean, hates Trump also. They're he hates his fucking guts with a passion. <laughs> yes. And he's, he's, I believe he's actually way richer than Donald Trump too. Yes. Yes. And he's way, 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 <laughs> yeah. way, way richer. <laughs> way yes. richer than him. So um, he's very outspoken against that. And I, I respect that, you know, wow. but, it, business is going to continue on for, for them, no matter what, you know, no matter how you look at it. You know, I think people have to ask themselves, I'm not saying you have to go and protest and you have to go out and do all that stuff, whether it's, you know, of course I would want to see a peaceful, if you're going to protest, I don't want to see anybody having any violence that doesn't solve anything. Yeah. But you know, for people, if you want to go out, I mean, I really want to challenge people to this. Um, you got to really take a look inside of yourself and you got to take a look at our society. And, and I want you to really get out there and I get chastised for this, for saying this a lot. And, you know, I learned it from, from, uh, from my dad is to, to think critically, man, you know, what's going on out there? What is, what is the real thing here? We're not talking conspiracy theory, nut, nutty stuff no. here, you know, no. cause I saw enough of that nonsense, man. Oh, this is all George Soros and all these things just from these just uneducated nutbags that are saying this stuff. And then you get, you know, people out there in your lives that you're seeing it on. So I want to challenge you. Are you going to stand by and let this stuff continue to happen? Are you going to still remain friends and supportive of people or, you know, friends, business companions, whatever it may be in your life that stand for hateful and awful views? 
I know I don't. And you know, you know, because me and you have talked about it. I've cut a lot of people out of my life over the last week because of it. And I very, very much stand by those decisions. And I'm very glad for it, man, because I don't want to be around hateful people and racist people and ignorant people like that, man. You can have different views all day. But I want to challenge people out there too. think about your friends and the people you align with, business people, people you work with, whoever it may be. Do they align with the right values and the right morals of inclusion of everybody, of a non-racist society, of a society that offers opportunities to others and everybody? Or are they people that are the complete opposite? And if they're the complete opposite and you're allowing them into your life, and you're being silent about it, and you're letting it go through, you're just as guilty in many ways as the other people out there causing the hate. That's my theory. Yeah, it's like being a parent or a, a good friend or whatever, and to, where you have to where you have to say to people sometimes you have to say, "Hey, man, you have to chill out with that stuff. What's what's going on in your head there? What are you thinking about? I mean, what would what would make you act that way? You know, is that is that any way to act?" Uh, and yeah, you do. You do have to make a stand. And, you know, history is full of that where people do sadly have to make choices. People had to do that in this country during the Civil War. People had to do that in uh, in Europe, in, in their, you know, in Germany and Italy, uh, even in the United States. There were people who were German and Italian immigrants who came over here and went back to Germany or Italy because they didn't want to fight against, uh, you know, their brothers and sisters and family members. I don't know if you folks are aware of that. There were a great many people who, you know, believed in fascism in the United States. As a matter of fact, one of the last rallies at Madison Square Garden was 20,000 people uh, who were part of America, of, of the equivalent of the American Nazi Party before World War II. And one of them was the famous Charles Lindbergh. I bet you didn't know that, did you, John? Uh, the Lindbergh trials and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about it. The Spirit of St. Louis, he's a very ardent fascist, a very big supporter. Oh, no, I know all so, about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, amazing stuff. I mean, you, you just wouldn't believe that stuff. So, you know, people had to say no. The things know. that exist right underneath people's eyes, man. Yes. You know, you, you know, I I can't support you with things like that, you know. But other people, you know, think that, uh, you know, think that that's okay. Anyway. Uh, it's up to you whether you think father knows best. And I guess I'm, I'm in agreement with my son on this, uh, you know, whether we know best or, or you do, or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a topic that you really should, should weigh in your heart and soul, uh, at a moment like this, because, uh, you're going to see people that demand change that want radical things in your mind. And you may not understand, uh, why they're thinking that way. You may think things are different, which I think if we have the time uh, should lead us into the next area of some, some things that are uh, going on or have gone on for years and years with, uh, excuse me, with African-Americans in this country. And, uh, you know, you know, one is the article I told you from the times by uh, David Lombardi, uh, and he has a terrific thing. You can check it out. I think it's on Tuesday or Wednesday's New York Times. And he has a big, tremendous uh, expose on people of color, and it starts off, when jail becomes normal. When jail becomes normal. And my goodness gracious, uh, one of the things that uh, people are talking about in these protests is that 
in terms of the police force, we have to start really defining or redefining when police get involved with people. You know, that uh, this guy, George Sora, rather George Floyd, uh, he was making a purchase with a $20 bill that seemed to be a, a counterfeit bill. Whether he even knew that has been lost. I mean, that's a minor, minor thing. Uh, and I don't know what, 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 what you think about that. John, do, do you know anything about the rates of people in prison, uh, you know, uh, uh, or, or anything like that? Do you have any idea how bad that is? Or what, oh, absolutely. Um, God, what did they say right now in the prison system? Is there about over 3 million people across the United States in prison right now? Yeah, it's, it is in the millions. It's more than uh, uh, people in prison in China and Russia and several other countries combined. We're the largest prison population of any country on the face of the earth. Yeah, I believe I saw the numbers recently. I think it was about 3.5 million. I could be a little off on it, but I think it's right around 3.5 million. Insane, right? Uh, yeah, stuff that I saw that I couldn't believe. It said close to 10% of black men. Now, listen, listen to this, folks. Close to 10% of black men in their 30s. This is not, this is just in their 30s are behind bars on any given day. That's 10%. If you got 7% on your money in the stock market, you'd be jumping up and down. This is 10% of people, you know? So if there's 100 people, it's 10 of them. You know, 100 people in their 30s, it's 10 of them are behind bars on any day. And that's according to the sentencing project. The incarceration rates for black men are about twice as high as those for Hispanic men and five times higher than those for white men. And listen to this, and at least 25 times higher than those for black women. That's crazy, man. Wow. And when I've the heard on some sites that have referenced it that over 30% of African-American males have done some type of, uh, of thing that have, have been in jail or prison. Absolutely. Absolutely. Insane. And when Insane. it... it I have stuff here that says when the government last counted how many black men had ever spent time in a state or federal prison. Now, this is a state or federal prison. This is hard time. In 2001, the share was 17%. That's insanely high. That's almost two out of 10 people. Today, it's closer to 20%. And that, doesn't, that number doesn't include the people who spent time in jail without being sentenced to prison. And that's another thing that happens in this country. People so we're looking at probably 30 to 40% of the people have been in jail or prison, definitely. Yes, and this is why all these massive releases were being done. Mm -hmm. uh, the good thing that Trump was uh, you know, trying to do with other people to gain some votes with the black community to do different things, because it, I think it's only 10% of the people in prison are there for violent crimes. And we could do a whole other show about stuff with this because many of our prisons or most of our prisons now are privatized, which means they're prisons for profit. So, hey, let me get this straight. Could there be some connection between uh, racism in the society, uh, policemen and other people saying, hey, look, man, uh, every chance we get, We've got this population that's now larger than our white population. Every chance we get to rouse these guys and send them away for three years, two years, five years, 
do whatever we have to do. We send them away. And you know what? I know what? We keep them under control and we make some money off of it too. There's, you know, near the prison, prisons are like cottage industries. They're like, well, there's big money in it for people, man. There's big money, corrections officers. Yeah. So you get these huge, huge amounts. Now, just to put this in perspective, 20%, and this is an estimate, uh, and again, it doesn't even include the people who spent time in jail without being sentenced. It could be way higher with that, is black. But the comparable number for white men is 3%. I'll say that again. That's 700% higher. 700% more. Uh, what is it? Are, are black people inherently bad? Uh, do, you know, do, do they, uh, you know, do they do something special where, you know, they go to, to, to jail, uh, you know, more frequently because they commit more crimes? Or are they, or are people looking at them to see if they commit more crimes? And if the crimes are serious crimes, that's not what the statistics show. That violent crime has gone down and down and down and down and down in America. Thank goodness. So that about, like I said, about 10% of the people in jail. So those other 90%, what are they in there for? They're in there for drug deals. They're in there for this kind of stuff. They're in there for all other kinds of stuff. Nonviolent crimes. A lot of people are making money on them. And you want to know what? You turn imprisonment into a dominant feature of modern life for black Americans. It's mass incarceration. The numbers don't lie. That's what it is. Then black men are missing from the communities. They have a hard time. They're unable to marry. They have a hard time caring for their children. They have a hard time taking care of their aging parents. Uh, you know, they're the last to get hired. They're the first to get fired. Problems with the educational system, so on and so forth. And, you know, you have generation after generation of economic and psychological damage and people struggling to find work when they leave prison, man, oh man, it's uh, not a good thing. Do you think, you know, you'll hear people say, John, you know, when we're talking about people that this is a bunch of bullshit. Do you think that's a bunch of bullshit? Absolutely. 1000%. I think it's not a bunch of bullshit at all. I'm not just saying that Mm -hmm. you can see it. You can Mm -hmm. see it. It's out there. Mm-hmm. And how many times I want people to think about this, maybe have you had a brush with the law before? How many of you got a chance to walk away? And how many of you got the book thrown at you maybe for something that might not have been that severe? Or you didn't get a chance to walk away. Right. And I'm, I'm, you know, saying from just I want people to think about that, that are listening out there because there's people all across the world that listen to the show all across the United States of all different backgrounds, cultures, whatever. There's no doubt about it that they are a pinpointed, the African-American community is a pinpointed community mm-hmm. for law enforcement. They're not given the same treatment. They're not given the same breaks as certain things. And they're looked at to try to find things. Mm-hmm. I Suffice to say, they're set up a lot of times, too. Mm-hmm. And it's not good business. It's not it's not good stuff that goes on for that. So you can't blame them for being angry. You can't blame them for saying no more. You can't blame them for standing up and saying this is it. And mm-hmm. I know people are saying all lives matter and they do. But when we look at the Black Lives Matter campaign is this stuff happens to the African-American community over and over and over and over and over and over. And yeah. it's wrong. 
Yeah, you, you raised an important issue, too, that uh, I know a lot of people will say when, when people get up and say Black Lives Matter, uh, they'll say, well, all lives matter. You know, there's a, there's a good point that, that African-Americans make. They say, don't, don't say that, please. I think African-Americans understand that particularly. I think that takes away from their message what they're trying to say. They're, they're tr- not, they need to be heard. They need to be listened to. The facts need to be listened to fairly, even if it makes people who are not people of color uncomfortable. Even if it makes me feel uncomfortable or you feel uncomfortable, uh, if you feel that you're being lumped in with people who are racist and you're not, or you've lived your life in a way that uh, is fair to people of color or supports them, uh, it, 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 it doesn't mean that, that, it, that it's a correct thing for us to, to maybe say in, a, in, in something this serious that, yeah, well, white, white people matter too. That, that's a given. I, black people understand that. What they're saying is this is so disastrous. Their whole life, uh, when you hear people coming out with this now, they're not making this shit up. They have to, you know, if, if a black person goes out at night and wants to get a pack of smokes or go get an ice cream and is driving a nice car and they're in their sweats or something like that, uh, there's a chance in certain places like that repair person story. Someone's going to pull them over. And if they give somebody shit, even if look at them or get aggravated with them, they could get shot. They could get killed. They could get the shit beat out of them because it happens over and over and over again. And you know what else? There was a study done by these economists, uh, Patrick Baer and uh, a guy called Kerwin Kofi Charles. And they found that 27% of black men in, in the prime working years of their life, and that's between the ages of 25 and 54, didn't report earning a single dollar of income in 2014. And that's a massive number. And that had to do with, uh, in their findings, incarceration and the after effects were the major reasons. That so many people had been, uh, you know, incarcerated, had their education or no education or their lives completely disrupted. Uh, it affects them and their ability to work. Uh, and with the world that we live in now, where you can get information on everybody, if you've had any small thing that you've ever done wrong, companies are very selective. So since it's a racist society anyway, you know, they're not looking to, to really go out of their way and hire people of color. And if they have any excuse not to hire them, they won't. Do, would you think that's a fair assessment, John? Am I, am what do you I, think you have in sports? You have the Rooney rule. What is the Rooney rule? Tell me what it is. The Rooney rule is that um, they have to have, they have to like if say they're for coaching. Mm-hmm. Um they have to interview minority candidates. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like affirmative action in a way. Yeah. But it, it, it mandates that they do it because statistically it had showed till they had instituted it that if they didn't have that rule, that they would not be getting the opportunities to interview for these larger scale executive jobs as head coaches moving up the ladder and those things. Mm-hmm. So they had to enact those things because minorities were often um, just completely glanced over no matter what their, how special they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, go look at the NFL now. The NFL probably has three to four, uh, maybe five minority coaches. Yeah. Head coaches out of, uh, I think, 32 teams or 28 teams. Yeah. 
Kind you of know, a telling we, sign, right? Yes, it is. And you know, people act on their perceptions and their perceptions are based on their beliefs. When I was teaching my class in childhood and development, I would uh, always go over how prejudice and stereotypes uh, are formed with people. And, uh, you know, how we, we pick up these things, you know, all older people do this, all, uh, you know, women do this, all men do this, all uh, African-Americans do this, all Chinese people or Asian people do this. And I would have many times the students would challenge me on that. And they'd say, that's that's not true, Professor Wangland. You know, I don't have those feelings. Uh, I don't know anybody, you know. I said, oh, are you really serious with that? I, it's, uh, I'm not trying to tell you that, um, you know, you're a racist, but you kind of programmed to be that way and you don't even realize it. And they would say, well, I, you'd have to prove that to me. And to me, I'm always a great believer in, in, in going Brooklyn on people and keeping it simple and keeping it real. And uh, I want, uh, I'm, you know, I just had my evaluations from my students today for the semester. I was proud to say every single student took the evaluation uh, and they're anonymous. And I get them year after year. Most professors don't want them. A hundred percent of the students gave me a hundred in all the areas. And that happens uh, semester after semester primarily. And I, I, and I if it's one of the few times you'll see me boast because I love teaching. I love my students. I, it's a diverse population. I love treating people fairly and telling it like it is, uh, not where it's a fact, but what I'm thinking. And I have to I'm, forgive me for prefacing the example that I'm going to give you for this. If you think there is no such thing as this racism that we all, all have. When I was asked that question in the class, I said, I'll give you a simple example. And I said, and please don't become offended because I have to be very real with you. I said, picture yourself walking late at night, about two o'clock uh, in the morning down a city street and there's nobody around. And you see two white guys on the same side of the street. You know, they're up the block and you're walking towards them. How do you think that most people would feel, John? Two white guys walking up. Two they, they, white guys are teasing one another. Tapping they wouldn't each think other. anything of it. Uh, uh, most of the people said pretty much that, or they said, I would have some cause for concern. I might be a little nervous. I would be a little wary uh, with two white guys, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm talking just like a guy in the street now, folks. I'm not trying to be a scientist here, but run this exercise back in your head when you say there's no such thing as a stereotype that you have. Okay. So you get the two white guys there. I have a little trepidation. I, 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 I keep I keep a little wary of, of things. I, I, I keep an eye on them. Now, picture you come to the next block and there's two black guys and they're horsing around the same way and they're in front of you. How would you feel then, John? Well, I would tell you, people are going to start holding on to their wallet. They're going to look around them more. They're going to feel a lot more intimidated, potentially. Yeah. Do you think you might as well? Would I? Yeah. Oh, no. I, you know, I don't look at it like that. So, no, I would say no. Absolutely not. Okay. You would say no. I, you, you know, that's here me, I am. though. I, I've, I've been to the worst places in the world, man. I walked right up to, through the worst streets so, in the world. So have I. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, though. No. See, so have I. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. And uh, I, I hope there's a million black people uh, uh, and people of color and African, whatever you, I hope they're hearing this. I would have this little trepidation there also. You want to know why? Because I'm a 70-year-old man. And in my head, this has been drilled in about a million freaking times. And I know better. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's nothing to do that. But there would be a little more trepidation. 
there, perhaps. And I'm being painfully honest. Just, is there any reason I should feel that way rationally? Not really. But I just gave it to you. Am I being honest? Am I being straight? Am I being square? Am I being self-aware of who I sure. am? Yeah. And um, and I'm, I would never give bare false witness. I, I don't hate black people or avoid them or any such thing like that. Uh, I shouldn't even say them like, you know, white people, them or anybody, them. No, I don't avoid anybody based on any of those things. Quite the contrary. But that's the second scenario. And here's the last one. If it was two Asian guys, same age, same horse around, how would you feel then? I'm running the other way, man. You are not. <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I'm not I'm not fearing it either way. No. Yeah. Okay. You're not fearing it either way. And I'm telling you, of the three groups of people, my students primarily gave the answer that I gave you. That none of it was based on fact. None of if it was were based to take the three and but, ask but me, me, can I just finish part? I would definitely say, hands down, people would say number two. Absolutely. And and it was. A hundred percent. And the, the the one that was least not even fearful at all was the Asian group. And I, I would always joke. I said, yeah, they're doing some math problems or something like that. And everybody would laugh. I said, see, I can get thrown out of the college for that. There's a stereotype because the stereotype is that uh, the white kids might be just fooling around. It's probably harmless. The black kids, you got to watch out for them. They'll get you. If nobody's around, uh, if you're lucky, they won't do something really bad. And if you're lucky, they'll be good kids. The third assumption is they're Asian kids. Asian kids don't do bad stuff. They're very law-abiding. They're studious, right? These are stereotypes. These are the perceptions that people have. I'm not saying everybody. Now, think of think of white America. I'm giving you easy ones. Man, they've got all kinds of screwy things out there that uh, people of color, uh, you know, people from different groups, they're going to rape them. They're going to kill them. They're drug users. They're going to bang them. They're going to, you know, do terrible things to them. And, you know, they don't think the way that you do. They don't eat the way that you do. They don't dance the way that you, you know, uh, they want to take over you. You want to be, you want to live like them. Look at what they're doing. They're doing all this. They don't pay. They don't get married. They have all these kids. They do this. They don't work for a living like you. Have you heard that a million times with the people you've been not friending? Absolutely. Some version of that? Jesus, man, so much. Now, see, I'm just laying that out. Now, there's a ton of good people have this institutionalized racism in their head. And this is what black people are talking about. And then you get those same people who are totally unaware. And you know what happens? Guy says, I want to be a cop. Holy Jesus Christ. You're, you've got a prescription for murder there. Number one, everybody who becomes a policeman, almost to a fault, thinks that the fucking rules don't apply to them, right? Yep. And eventually, the people that they are there to protect and serve become their enemy. They're an aggravant to them. They scare the piss out of them. They could kill them. And then they feel victimized. And then you throw in that prejudice that's been around in, in America for 300 years, man. 300 years plus it's deadly for it's deadly for african-americans it's deadly for people of color it's deadly for poor people it's deadly for uneducated people they're marginalized they're 
tossed to the fucking, uh, you know, to the curb, every opportunity. And then the power structure, which is white America, the, the rich, they own the military. They own the National Guard. They own the police force. They own uh, the, the elections. They own the prosecutor's office, don't they? Yep. They own it all. It's good points, man. I think it's been a great show. I do too, man. I think it's good food for thought for everybody, you know, to really think That's about. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it's good food for thought for everybody to think about and be honest. You know, be be real. Do you want to be part of the problem? Do you want to be part of the solution? You got to ask yourself that question. Are you associating with the wrong things and the wrong people? Are you one of the people that we were talking about that lays those things down? What do you, where do you sit in this equation? You have to ask yourself that, you know, and it's a, it's a really powerful topic to look at. And it's another great episode, I think, of uh, Does Father Know Best? And I want to tell you guys to make sure you check out Stan's other show. It's called Just Thinking with Stan Wanglin. What do you got going on over there, man? Hey, man, I got some great shows. I have, uh, I do so much research. I actually burst into tears the other day. I'm serious. On uh, do I think the U.S. democracy could end in 12 weeks was a great show uh, and take a listen to that in 20 weeks. And that's the day after election. Uh, and I think this is a rehearsal from President Trump with trying to use the military to stay in office if he loses the election. And then uh, the show that will be coming out tomorrow, uh, you know, which is uh, uh, will Americans consent to being dominated? I call that the Trump doctrine. And you know what the answer to that is? No fucking way. I'm going to use some bad language on that one. No, that, they've answered that question. And uh, that's an important stand that Americans are making. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good shows with that. And I'm going to be doing a show, oddly enough, uh, on Jeffrey Epstein again. And it has to do with the Netflix documentary that I didn't want to watch. I did uh, two shows on Jeffrey Epstein, and they were very successful shows. And a lot of people while watching those shows and enjoyed them and wrote wrote me specifically that they like those shows. And I watched that uh, documentary on Netflix and I'll tell you, I, I, I didn't know one tenth of what was going on with that guy. And it's, it's called Jeffrey Epstein, filthy rich. And if you want to see everything that's rotten about America uh, and everything about power getting away with uh, just the worst of things, it ties into all the things we were talking about mm-hmm. is that show on Jeffrey Epstein. It was extremely well done, extremely well done. And it was, it's uh, as of yesterday when I was watching it, uh, it, it was the number two show on Netflix. In, in yeah, it's been it's been kind of uh, leading the charge over there for the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and well worth it. It's a it's a fascinating show. And we see our um, it, it's I'm not giving you confirmation bias, people, when you when you're seeing what we're seeing as a president, you're seeing him and Melania Trump as a younger man just sitting there just being his filthiest, nastiest self possible. Uh, the, 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 the person that we know and love holding the Bible, they're uh, just, just being totally obnoxious with Jeffrey Epstein. It's a shocking show. Yeah, and, no doubt about it, man. Yeah, it, it shows you what money is doing. And that's why people are busting out windows, in my opinion. It may not be right, but... You know, there's always uh, uh, something in there. Was that too much? Did I tell you too much? No, you know, you know, you you're wangling, you're long winded. It's okay. <laughs> That's the way we all are, man. You got it, baby. That's the way we all are. 
I love doing this. It's always a blast. It's always fun doing it with, uh, with you and with everybody. And I want to implore you guys to make sure whatever you listen on, you subscribe to the show, please give it a rating and review. If you can on whatever platform you listen on, make sure you tell a friend, but, uh, we implore you to please check out, check it out, spread, a me- uh, spread the message and give that rating and review if you can, once again. And we thank you guys for all your patronage for listening. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the show. Also go and check out our website. It's rcpodnetwork.com. It's a one-stop shop for all the great shows that we have right here on the reality check podcast network. You can find everything. We have everything from sports to spiritual, to paranormal, to daily shows, to controversial shows, to you name it. We got it. We're doing it. We're always adding in new acts and new people on over there too. So, and we're also aligned with the great publishers desk network, which has a ton more great shows. Oh, they're so, good. Oh yeah. They got a lot of great stuff. So I love them. I love yeah. them. It's great to be aligned with them. And we love being aligned with the publishers desk network as well. Big time. Yeah, they're awesome. So there's so many shows. You could literally listen to podcasts all day of the week, all friggin' month long, and not and still have plenty of content left to listen to if you listen to all the shows that are on our network. So go ahead and check them out. We really hope you guys enjoyed this show. And as always, we will be back every Wednesday uh, and every Sunday. So this is coming out on a Wednesday night. It usually comes up by 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. You'll get it. And then the same thing for Sunday night. You'll have them by 10 o'clock at night on Sundays. Um, Because we tape them and put them up shortly after. So uh, just make sure you know that that's when we're going to be putting it out. So until the next episode, we'll be back Sunday. Stay safe. Be good. Uh, Does father know best? You have to make that decision for your own once again. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll check you guys out on the next episode of Does Father Know Best?